The following podcast is a production of Cascadia.fm. Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show where we talk about movies and a franchise one movie at a time. I'm your host, Matt. What you just heard was a cover of We Don't Need Another Hero. This was a song originally featured in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome performed by Tina Turner. What you heard there was performed by a uh, Finnish band, that could be from Norway, I'm not sure, called Northern Kings. And uh, the lead vocalist you just heard, he's also a male vocalist from the popular like goth metal band Nightwish. So it's a bizarre cover, isn't it? I don't know what to think about that, Matt. <laughs> and that's uh, Sabrina Miller. Hi, guys. So uh, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what happened to Tina Turner? <laughs> she sounds really weird. Did you normalize this properly? I normalize it. I'm not sure if I did it properly. I'm using Sony <laughs> Vegas as the software I use for that. It's for a consumer level yeah. software. It's exciting. Listeners want to hear about audio editing, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but... With uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, we're wrapping up our coverage of the Mad Max trilogy, as it were, and we'll even get into some stuff about Mad Max 4 that's been in the works for a decade uh, later on in the show. But uh, how's your week been, Sabrina? Uh, My week has been incredibly busy. Yeah, yeah, I took a a theater job uh, with uh, Disney uh, for the next three weeks. I'm a wardrobe person for Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. So that has a lot of the same uh, show tunes from the movie musical with Dick Van Dyke. And, it uh, does, yeah. What's her name? Who played Mary Poppins? Julie in Andrews. Julie Andrews. Yeah. I always get that movie confused with bed knobs and broomsticks. I know you had said that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. We had a, a, a Twitter friend that had seen it uh, with his family and he's like, I didn't like this one particular scene. It's, it's A lot of it's based off the book too. Oh. Because um, there's a Mary Poppins book that was uh, at, um, uh, at adapted from and um it's like a british book right yeah it is it's a british book so there's quite a few scenes in the stage version that aren't in the movie um but are in the book and there's this one point where uh jane and michael the little kids like start treating Uh their toys bad and mary poppins says you know what this is unacceptable um i'm gonna like completely screw with your head and um, these toys are just gonna come to life because she's magic she's like a magical nanny so all of these toys like start coming to life and it's really kind of freaky and babes and toys land sort of yeah it's like worse because it's like the way that it's i mean i I don't get to really see a whole lot of the show Uh but it is very kind of um odd and some one of our twitter friends said yeah i really think i should have been on acid watching that and then that's where the whole bed knobs and broomsticks thing kind of came in that you know that probably would have been a good stage adaptation as well well you know bed knobs and broomsticks uh, not that it hasn't much to do with mad max if anything it was supposed to originally star julie andrews as well 
And at first she said, well, I don't want to do it. I just did Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. And then she wasn't getting that many other good offers at the time. So she said, oh, no, wait, I want to do it. But by that time, they already cast Angela Lansbury in the part. But those are both, you know, Disney movies that have sequences where people dance around with cartoon characters. So it's live action and cartoon. Mm -hmm. And you, you saw that some with Disney films at the time. Oh, yeah. But... Do you have a preference, Mary Poppins or Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yeah. I just think it's it's more of a familiar story to a lot of people. And uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, it honestly, it kind of gets, you know, it's a long pun movie. intended, swept under the rug quite quite often. So, <laughs> you know, it would be interesting to see the stage version of it. But anyway, that's what I've been doing. I've been really busy with that. And uh, it's uh, pretty brutal and really time consuming, but I love doing it. So... The last Mary Poppins question I have for you is, is the actor that does the Dick Van Dyke part, does he do it in a Cockney accent? Of course. Really? Oh, yeah. That doesn't get annoying, I bet. No, I mean, honestly, it's really hard for me to walk out of the theater and not speak like that because actually a lot of the (laughs) cast members are British. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, quite a few of them are obviously American, but there's the lady that plays the maid, um, I think it's like Mrs. Winifred or something like that. She's actually British. So so it's not something awful like, hello, 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 Mary Poppins. Would you like some fish and chips right here? No, it's not that bad. (laughs) It's not that bad. It's it's understandable. And they sing and stuff, obviously, too. So, um, but there's a really cool part where um, Bert, who was played by Zick Van Dyke. That's, that's right. the character's okay. name. He uh, he walks on the ceiling because it's the over-the-rooftop step-in-time okay. thing. And so he actually walks along the side of the theater and then upside down and Ooh. tap dances. And that number is really fantastic. If, if you guys haven't had a chance to go see Mary Poppins here in uh, Portland. What uh, theater is that playing at? It's at the Keller Auditorium. It's done by Broadway Across America. And it's uh, really fantastic. So in the next few it. weeks, right? Yeah. It, uh, it closes July 10th. Great. Yeah. Now, from Mary Poppins on to Mad Max 3, Beyond yeah. Thunderdome. Had you seen this movie before watching it for the show? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it was one of those things. I got them reversed. So in uh, in uh, the second one, I said before we started, it was like the end of the first episode that we did for mm-hmm. just Mad Max. And I said, oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Road Warrior. And I remember seeing like little bits and pieces of it, but I didn't remember liking it as much as I actually did. And so then I thought, um, I think I said last week that it's like, I, yeah, I've, I've seen Thunderdome. I really liked it. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting here watching it going, I don't remember some of this. <laughs> this is really terrible. <laughs> Why did I think that I liked this? I mean, I recall out of all these Mad Max movies, this is the one that they put on TV the most. It's PG-13. The other is rated R. And uh, you can tell. Mm-hmm. You don't have tits flopping about characters getting raped. Right. Like in the other ones. And uh, one thing we forgot to mention, you know, last week's episode was on Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. And we got some show feedback. Oh, cool. Uh, one thing I got off of Twitter, I've been asking random people, you know, what's their favorite out of the Mad Max trilogy? And uh, Wombat, who was a co-host of a podcast called The CAG Cast from a website called Cheap Ass Gamer, said, probably Mad Max 1. I like uh, The Road Warrior, but Mad Max is so iconic. Oh. So. Yeah. I would, I would agree. It sets up a lot of the stuff that The Road Warrior embellishes upon. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything from our Facebook page? Um, was there something I, I'm not finding anything on here actually okay not really I think people said the rapport is better with the Road Warrior episode than with Mad Max 1 oh yes and someone wants us to do uh, Luis I think wants us to do Lethal Weapon which that'd be fun to do at some point but we just did Mel Gibson yeah we don't we need a bit of a break we need a Mel Gibson break he's just getting a little old at this point yep. both figuratively and literally <laughs> so we're gonna leave Mel Gibson alone for a while okay but we still have to deal with them here in this Mad Max 3 episode. For me, I'd never seen this movie the whole way through before. 
Oh, really? Yeah, like I caught bits and pieces of it on TV. And, uh, you know, I think like last December it was something that you could watch on Netflix instantly, even though it's not right now. Mm -hmm. And I tried to watch it and just like fell asleep at the beginning because it was so slow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I mentioned it's PG-13 compared to R. Do you think that really takes a lot away from this movie compared to the other ones? Um, yeah, actually, I do. I think that, um, when was this? This was, a uh, 1985. Yeah. And, uh, what was the, what was the time difference between Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome? Like, it three was, years? It was four years. Four years, four okay. Years. So. Well. And so, Mel Gibson wasn't a huge star at this time, but he was becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have Lethal Weapon 1 until, like, a year or two after, uh, this Mad Max 3. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I honestly, I think that um, had it been given the opportunity to be more violent, then mm-hmm. yes, a rated R obviously would have been fitting for it. And I, I think the amount of violence in this one compared to the one four years prior um, was minimal. Right. And this one has more comedy and more sentimentality, especially uh, with the, all the kids later on in the film. Ugh. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, this is almost like, uh, I think Steven Spielberg watched this a lot to get the idea for Hook with Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah, four years after Mad Max 2, I, I don't think that it really, the, the rating on it um, affected the tone. I think, I mean, honestly, the, the rating for it that they put on it was appropriate. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, it would have been nice if it was rated R, but right. there's the whole kid factor, so yeah. It's always tough. Yeah. Kids in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, another difference with this, with the other ones, uh, Mad Max 1 and 2 were directed by George Miller. This third one was supposed to be directed by George Miller, but then the producer of the first two films, Byron Kennedy, was in a helicopter doing location scouting for Beyond Thunderdome. And there was an accident and he died. Just a oh. helicopter accident, a crash. So because of that, George Miller is really upset. And he said, well, I don't really want to direct Mad Max 3. And they sort of talked him into, well, I'll, he'll direct the action scenes and... Uh, someone else, George Ogilvie, directed the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it still looks and feels like a Mad Max movie. It, it's not a huge departure. Maybe that's a reason um, for a dip in quality. Yeah, I didn't really see too much of a directorial difference mm-hmm. between any of the films. It still feels grimy, even though it's PG-13. You know, I think still the costumes are pretty interesting. Yeah, oh, t- definitely, yeah. I think they probably still had the same wardrobe person would be my assumption with that, but... Probably. I mean, they had more money than the other films. You can tell that. Oh, yeah, totally. It, it was a lot more polished. It almost reminds me of something like Return of the Jedi, where you go into a village and there's all these different... Not that there's aliens in Mad Max. <laughs> you don't have Yoda saying, I don't know, try hard Mad Max. You must find the Thunderdome. You must. Ooh, good. Oh, thank you. But, uh... No, you just had weird people with, like, freaking masks on sticks behind their heads. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Another strange thing about this movie is uh, the hair. So in the beginning, Mel Gibson has a, has a wig mm-hmm. for the first half of the movie. What did you think of that wig, you being the costume person? I thought it was pretty damn awful. Yeah, there's no way that could have been his real hair, could it? Oh, no. No. No, absolutely not. No, that, <laughs> it looked like somebody like shaved a dog and like <laughs> glued it back together and stuck it on his head. And uh, it was, yeah, it was really bad. Was it a mullet, you'd say? I, you know, it was a glorified mullet. Yeah. A lot of body to it. It looked gross. Yeah, it was like somebody like, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, just like shaved a sheepdog and, you know, stuck it on his head and then crimped it or something. It was just terrible. You know, sometimes wigs can work on actors and they often work better on uh, women than on men. 
But it just reminded me of a scene. There's a Vin Diesel movie, Chronicles of Riddick, and at the beginning they're trying to show that a lot of time has passed. Mm-hmm. So he wears a big, like, Santa Claus beard, and it looks stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> so yeah, that's it, it's retarded. Not, it's not quite as bad as that, but... Come on, wig and makeup people. Get your shit together. Yeah, you do it for a living. You have yeah. a higher expectation. Uh, Tina Turner's hair. Now, is that her real hair? Of course it's her real hair. I thought that looked fine. It made her look, like, menacing. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I'm sure she probably had some extensions, because if I remember correctly, it was a lot longer. Uh-huh. Um, but I would venture to say that the top part of her hair, like, on her actual head, yeah. was her own. Like, I mean, like I said, there's probably, like, some extensions or she grew it out a little bit, but it's Tina Turner. I mean, come on. And she's not so bad as an actress. No, she's All things not. considered. Yeah. I was really conflicted with her. I mean, we'll get uh-huh. into character stuff, I'm sure, in a sure. little bit. But, um, yeah, I was kind of uh, really conflicted with her character. Yeah, they do some interesting plot twist mm-hmm. there. And, you know, this wasn't the first movie she was in. She had a, a bit part in a musical from the 70s called Tommy, based off the Who concept album. And she played the Acid Queen. Mm-hmm. And, again, she sings. You know, it wasn't much of an acting part, but she's good in that, too. And she did the James Bond... Uh, theme in uh, GoldenEye, the first Pierce Brosnan I don't know movie. as if I knew that. He did a song, a song called GoldenEye. Very brassy sounding. Oh. So, huh. should have brought a clip of that, but Damn we're not it. doing James Bond. That's okay. So let's go into characters. Mad Max, he has a shitty looking wig. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned this is PG-13. I think from the beginning I noticed Mad Max's character is a bit different. He doesn't have a fuck everything attitude. Yeah. He seem to have any other ones. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't really I didn't really like that. Well, because the beginning of the movie got me really confused because he kind of has a camel in a caravan full of shit, and mm-hmm. then it all gets taken, but it's not even clear that stuff gets taken. He's sort of wandering around. Yeah, just kind of aimlessly. And I guess, I mean, it, honestly, I think it's a little bit, it's, it's appropriate because of where we left off with him in Road Warrior. It doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't even say like 10 years later. No. It doesn't do any clips to catch you up if you've never seen a Mad Max movie before. I don't even think they call him Max in this movie, or if they do, they I did a few times. It was later, yeah. Okay. It was a little bit later because she had, because Tina Turner had said like, "Oh, who are you? You're like the straggler or the wandering man." Or she called him something, uh-huh. but he eventually, I think, told her that like my name is Max. Okay, because I remember her calling him Max a couple times. So um, yeah, we don't really know how long it was between the two movies. We know throughout the story. Um, we can assume, based off of Max's hair, that it, I'm guessing it was probably a couple years. It takes a couple years to grow that stupid stuff sure. out, you know? It, I, that would be my assumption. Right. I mean, I used in college, I used to have hair down to my shoulders, and that took me a year and a half to grow out. My yeah. hair grows really slowly. But Mad Max in the desert, all that sun, can't be good for your hair. Oh, no. It's going to dry it out like there's no tomorrow. You might have a secret uh, bottle of shampoo or conditioner with him. I, you know, it the was desert? so matted and so dreaded, I don't really Maybe think not. he did. So like a Rastafarian thing going yeah, on? Yeah, it was really gross. It could be. I've seen people with hair like that off a of Hawthorne. Oh, I know. There's it, so many of them. Yeah. I really just... Here's some shampoo. Here's yeah. a comb. Go. Scissors. Yeah. Scissors, exactly. So, yeah, I don't think that... Uh, he definitely was not as grizzly as he was in The Road Warrior. I think the... Um, it, to me, it's... It's the presentation with the face. It's the facial hair. It's like the scruffle of the beard. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like, can I, kind of like we talked about with the gyro guy, it's like, I can actually smell you from here. And well, I never. Speaking of the gyro guy, he makes a return in this movie. Yeah. And I think even in the credits, they give him a name like Jedediah or something. But he's not in it very much. And he's clean shaven this time. He's not as scraggly looking. He's not wearing slippers like in The Road Warrior. 
Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see him back, but I wish they would have used him a bit more. They only use him at the end, really, and you see him for a few seconds at the beginning. Right. And yeah, he's much. He's definitely uh, much cleaner, uh, cleaner cut than before. And that was it. He, he smiled. He smiled. He appears to have a kid. We don't know if it's his son or something. I don't know. Yeah, because there weren't very many kids when you got to Barter Town. Remember, he was macking on the chick in the Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And he looked all gross. Maybe something happened when a steamy night in the desert between the two, and that's the result. Gross, but it's possible. I mean, obviously somebody gave him a toothbrush. That's what I was trying to get at, is that obviously somebody took him to a dentist or like an oral care physician of some sort and said, dude, you need to clean your teeth because his teeth were like immaculate on this movie compared to Road Warrior. He almost looks like a different character, even though he's not. Mm -hmm. He's so cleaned up. Yeah. It was really kind of weird. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, he must have been doing other work at the time because it's nothing more than a glorified cameo when you get down to it. Right. Yeah, that and the fact that he was, um, he he didn't look like he was, uh, he, he didn't look like he fit in. Do you like it in movie sequels when the same character is returned from the old movies to the next one? Depends on the movie. Depends on the movie. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed seeing him. Uh-huh. Uh, I wish that he had had a bigger part. Right. Um, I wish that he would have provided a little bit more comedic uh, relief. Sure. He was pretty funny in The Road Warrior with what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a, a couple scenes where uh, where he did, but eh, wasn't too impressed by his performance. He was just kind of like, oh, look, we needed somebody else in here from the other movie. We'll get this guy. He's available. Right. Th- that's what it felt like to me. I'm sure if they couldn't have gotten him, they would have figured out some way to work in the, uh, the feral kid with the long hair. Oh, my God. That might have been better to see him. Well, unless yeah. he would have talked. Well, yeah, if he talked, I, I don't think he could have. No. I don't think he learned anything. Okay, we already covered Tina Turner as anti-entity. We'll get into more of that with the plot, but she does a fairly good job. Mm-hmm. So you have a character called Master Blaster. That's actually two separate characters, Master and Blaster. Uh, which one is the little person? Uh, the little person is Master, and then okay. Blaster is the big one. Is the big one, and those are played by the actors Angelino uh, Rosito and Paul Larson. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of his look? I think he looked a lot like Lord Humongous. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. He didn't, I actually don't think that he had like the crazy thongy underwear. He may. He had chaps. I don't know if, yeah. I don't think they were assless chaps. I don't think they were assless either, because that would be really weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was very, very much like Humongous. And that had to be intentional. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, Cause, totally. Because it looks imposing, you know, anytime you get like a big... It's a big fella, but it's not like a fat dude. It's, you don't see that many large men that are muscular like that, you know, with a flatter mm-hmm. belly. Yeah. And uh, that you have a little uh, short person kind of bossing this big guy around and he talks in sort of like a high squeaky voice. Mm-hmm. That just makes it very uh, funny. Yeah, and it makes it... They do it... a fun plot twist with that character that's sort of unexpected. Totally unexpected. And uh, as we go into the plot, I do want to mention, even though Mad Max uh, 3 Beyond Thunderdome is more of a studio movie, it still has a lot of creativity. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they sold out completely. No. Well, at least not in the beginning. It still has a lot of nice atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Mad Max get his shit stolen from the gyro captain, and he wanders into Barter Town. What did you think of Barter Town? I thought Barter Time was actually kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, the fact that this guy just kind of comes in, they give him the pat down, uh, they make him dump all of his weapons, <laughs> weapons, which takes like five minutes because Max has like a crap ton of them. Um, it was, I, I felt it was very uh, 
foreboding. It's almost kind of like, what is he getting himself into by going here? It felt like a real living, breathing place, and it's an expansion of the scope from the other two movies. The original Mad Max, it was more of a normal, sort of an empty city, and the second one, it was the encampment by the oil refinery, and Mm -hmm. this is a whole fucking village powered by pig shit. Exactly. Yeah, that was the cool thing about it, too. And that's where I realized as I was watching this that actually, and this is really sad, but it was the pig shit that made me think, I have seen this before. Like, truly, I've seen this before. And yes, I remember this. I remember this part. So, so like the first 20 minutes or like the first five minutes, not so much, uh-huh. but like that time that, that when he walks in and he sees what it is all the way through, like midway through uh-huh. the movie before it changed and went to hell. Um, I remember that part very well. And it's called Barter Town because, well, much like the name Barter Town, you have to come in with something to trade and get something in return. But mm-hmm. Mad Max has nothing, although he could trade his weapons for things, you would think. But I he's, know. He's yeah. Mad Max. He doesn't want to give up all his weapons. No. And to my knowledge, he never got him back. That's right. Yeah. They were kind of sneaky in Barter Town. Mm-hmm. And so, but they see he's a man that's useful and he's hired by anti-entity who tells him that, okay, so the pig shit thing, they harvest pig shit for methane. Mm-hmm. And everything is powered by methane, or is the methane turned into gas? Or yeah, basically, like methane is the gas that powers the city. Okay. So they have all of this, like this huge pig farm, and the pigs are crapping everywhere. Right. And it's like, um, what did they call it? It's like uh, the underworld or the under something or another. Because she makes him say it, or he I, makes her say it. I think it is the underworld. If not, it's something really close to that. It's something really close to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all these pigs they shit, and that's what like creates the gas in order to power everything so it's yeah it's literally this little village which is not little by any stretch of the imagination because people are i would assume living there which is weird because if i remember correctly through the movie um anti-entity had said or somebody had said um people come here to trade and that's all they do they pass through they trade and then they leave well the local industry is that industrial thing of producing methane from the pig shit but it's also sort of a class system because the people that are scooping the pig shit stirring it up whatever the hell they do and making sure all that equipment works mm-hmm. are like the poor people or like the the midgets or little people whatever mm-hmm. so i mean that's pretty interesting and you see all those pigs and it reminds me that uh, the co-director of this george miller later went on to produce the babe movies about the talking pig <laughs> so that's ironic it is that's huh. a weird, weird... But the pigs in this one don't talk. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. So Anti-Entity hires Mad Max to... Uh, so there's a master blaster guy who's in charge of the, the pig ship people living underground. And she's afraid he's going to revolt. So she wants him to pick a fight with him. Because if you pick a fight and the other person accepts, you have to go to the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Two will enter, one will leave. Yes, that was really cool because they were chanting it. <laughs> Two will enter, one will leave. Yeah, I was looking on YouTube for an audio clip to open the show with, and that's the only thing I could find. And I was like, well, hearing people chant, Two will enter, one will leave, over and over again for 30 seconds isn't eh. so exciting. Yeah, no. But the Thunderdome, what did you think of that? I thought the Thunderdome was awesome. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was like this whole, they had like a little ringmaster dude, uh-huh. you know, kind of basically... He was the ringleader. It's um, almost like a WWF match. Yeah, he was like the circus leader dude, you know? And then you've got Auntie Entity and um, her cohorts, uh, right. you know, standing up there with her. And it's this huge cage 
that is that everybody is standing on the outside of and it's completely enclosed with only one door and it's all these wires and so like each person steel or in something. there is hooked up with bungee cords I would assume so. Because well, they could bounce around. On the outside, like the spectators? No, on the, on the inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. On, on the, the inside, inside yeah. The bungee cords. On the outside, people can, like, look. I don't know if they could reach their fingers through the holes, but uh. people were throwing shit at the cage the whole time. Well, they must have because they were placing weapons inside, right, so they were right. able to get, like, a full chainsaw in there. Uh-huh. So, But it makes me wonder, how do these people, do they just climb up this thing and just, like, hold on for dear life and hope that nobody fell off the outside of the Thunderdome? I think in a town like Bartertown, it's so rough in that post-apocalyptic Mad Max future that, um, you know, that's an accepted casualty. Yeah. You know, you, you lose a few people when you build a bridge. True. So it's that same sort of mentality. It is like a, a modern-day gladiator arena. Exactly. In the Mad Max setting. But, uh, yeah, the weapons are suspended kind of on the ceiling, so with their bungee cords, they've got to bounce around and get the weapons... But it's not guaranteed the weapons are going to work. Right. I wish there would have been uh, more matches in the Thunderdome. More matches? Oh. More matches in the movie. They could have fought different people or like a heavyweight bout. I don't know, like a Rocky movie, but in the Thunderdome. Yeah, see, and that's where I thought it was going. And Uh I I mean, I remembered seeing it, but I didn't remember that it came, that it was this quick within the movie. I mean, they're literally in Thunderdome at the 20 minute mark. Really? Okay. Yes. And um, see, I've got a weird time thing. And because yeah. honestly, I watched this movie in chunks um, just because my time has been so limited. It's just like, yeah. Um, so I remember it was like at the 20 minute mark where they had entered Thunderdome. Uh, they were hooked up to the bungee cords and Master Blaster is like all over Max's shit. I mean, just like, because Max hasn't figured out that he's like what he can do with the bungee cord. Right. You know, and so Master Master Blaster, the kid Blaster, is tossing him around and kind of, sure. you know, having his way with him. And Max is trying to take him down and he doesn't realize, hey, I have power by just jumping and I can get away from this situation. And all the while he's trying to like grab at this whistle because he figured out that this really, really high pitched like dog whistle um, made Blaster because he's got like this helmet. The right. metal helmet. So he realizes, if I blow this, then this guy loses his shit. Yeah. And that's what he uses to sort of distract him mm-hmm. to deal with finishing blow. And uh, Blaster is knocked down on the ground. And they take off his head. And the crowd is chanting, kill him, kill him, kill him. Because that's what he's supposed to do. Two will enter, one will leave in the mm-hmm. Thunderdome. Fight to the death. And he takes off the head. And uh, Blaster is revealed to be like a, a retard kid or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a like a mongoloid or some weird thing. I don't know what they're. I considered. think it would have been cool. Like, what if that guy would have turned out to be like the retard from the farm in the first Mad Max? That would have been too much of a coincidence. Uh, I see what you're saying. And it, sometimes when they do that, that gets a bit too precocious. If you try to link everything together mm-hmm. in the last movie of a uh, trilogy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it just sort of reminded me of that same sort of character. But I think that was a really nice plot twist. Oh, yeah, totally. Because you are on the side of Max, and you believe everything the anti-entity is telling you. Mm-hmm. That Master Blaster, those two guys are assholes, and they need to be punished so anti-entity can resume her reign of Bartertown and not have anything uh, threatening right. her, her queendom or whatever the hell it is. Eh, her pedestal. Her pedestal. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a nice plot twist. And Max, I think the old Mad Max would have killed him still. You think? Yeah, because he just wants to get the hell out of there. He wants to get his car back, or he wants to get his camel thing back, whatever mm-hmm. it was, his caravan. Get his weapons back and leave and go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he probably would have finished him, but seeing the 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 
very childlike face on this humongous, you know, ripped body uh-huh. just really threw him and it threw me. I mean, it threw everybody obviously for a, a loop. And yeah. I, I don't, do you think that it threw the rest of the people watching, like the rest of Barter Town? Do you think it threw them for a loop? Do you think that they knew that he looked like that? Oh, um, I don't know. I think part of the advantage of Blaster is he looks so fearsome that they probably never let people in public see him with his mask off. Yeah. Except when Master was giving him a sponge bath or something. Oh, gross. (laughs) That would be a scene to remember. Yeah, I don't know. Deleted. Okay, uh, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so end all be all, Max can't kill him. And even though everybody's chanting, kill him, kill him, kill him. Then... Master comes over and uh-huh. is like incredibly protective, like, no, don't kill him, and explains that, you know, I'm the brains, he's just the body because he can't think. And right. that's where everything completely changes, I think, for the movie, uh, for that, for the next probably, I don't know, 15 minutes of, oh, well, now you're a good guy because you're protecting your big buddy. Like, it was confusing to me. Like It's a bit confusing, but I think it, it works. It makes it a bit more interesting because, you know, not every uh, ugly person you see in life is a bad person. Right. Even though they might be scary or, you know, I, I've seen homeless people around Portland where they, at some point, you know, they probably had a crack pipe or something blow up in their face and you see these gigantic welts that cover half their head. Yeah. All these really sad, uh, depressing things, but that doesn't mean they're... And so, naturally, your instinct is to shy away from those people, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're still people. Right. And I think that's the lesson it's trying to do. Yeah, and I think it accomplished it, because uh-huh. you see you see the transformation, and you see that look in Max's eyes where he's just kind of like, I can't do this. I'm more of a humane person than I used to be. And so Tina Turner, as anti-entity, gets pissed, mm-hmm. and they start chanting, spin the wheel. Right, but then not before somebody else like anonymously throws uh, an arrow into Blaster and he dies shit, anyway. That's right. Yeah, he yeah. dies anyway. The bloodlust of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Someone, yeah, kills that. I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't I either. That was cool. Yeah. So now Max is kind of screwed. You know, he looks like a pussy because he didn't kill the other dude in the Thunderdome. So they have to spin the wheel to decide his fate. And there's all sorts of fun little things on that wheel, but it lands on Gulag. So, and this was a really weird thing. They put him on a horse and put a weird cartoon mask on his face. Yeah, it, it was like, like a ginormous cartoon head. Looked like a Paul Revere or something, like yeah. a revolutionary guy. And they just set him out in the desert. And you know, that was his punishment. That was death. It, the movie should have stayed in Bartertown. It gets much less interesting I from know, here on out. I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're kind of sitting there, they're all chanting Gulag, and it's just kind of like, what the hell is Gulag? What are they going to do? Right. I mean, they don't really need to explain it because they can show us uh-huh. what it is, and we just take their word for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, at that point, um, he's just kind of sent out to this desert, and he eventually, his horse dies because, oh, the horse has like a um, a water bag like attached to him, but in the front, so like the horse can't get to it, and obviously Max can't either because he's riding backwards on the horse with his hands tied behind his back. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Because what happens is the horse, like, keels over uh-huh. and dies. And as Max ends up getting a... Heat exhaustion or... Yeah, he got heat exhaustion. And so I think he had originally... I think he had gotten his hands untied and then he got the mask right. off. And then he saw the water and the water w- had already broke into the sand. So there was no more water because the sand absorbed it. Yeah. And so, you know, but you can't have a 30 or 45 minute movie with Max dying right there. That'd yeah, no, very, that's just ridiculous. strange. Yeah. So instead, he gets... Um, Rescued by all the little children. 
this mm. is where the film becomes completely retarded. Yep. You have somebody like Max. Well, they're trying to make him a Christ-like figure, I guess. I don't know. You know... A savior. I'm sorry. Mad Max is a tough guy yeah you know he's the shit he's like somebody that you just don't fuck with and he proved that within the first 20 minutes of the movie that's just somebody that you don't mess with and here come these stupid little kids i will rescue you sir (laughs) and it's just like really i mean can he have been rescued by like actually it was the lady of the kids like the lady of the leader of the kids right the uh the head female character's name is called savannah nix played by helen bidet and the head male has the unfortunate name of Slake Mathurst, played by <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tom Jennings. But it's a bunch of these kids. They look like the, uh, you know, like the Lost Boys, the Lost Children, and the Never Never Land from Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And they make that very explicit as it goes on. But they kind of live near an oasis, and right outside of the oasis is a plane. So, like, what happened is like this. Pl- some time, a long time ago, I guess, this plane crashed. The pilot died. It was a plane full of children. They survived. They all walked to this oasis. And they pin their hopes on a Captain Walker who will take them back to the sky, back to Morrow Morrow Land. Morrow Morrow Land. Yeah. Ugh. It's just stupid. This is where Sabrina started falling asleep. I don't blame you. Uh, I'm not kidding you. And again, like I said, I watched this in chunks. And I had actually started my second sitting... On this scene, like on the scene where he's like getting oh, no. found, <laughs> and I shit you not, within ten minutes. Oh my god, is it over yet? Yeah, I was drinking <laughs> vodka just to stay awake during this part. I had to watch it on my computer too, as it turns out, because my wife was playing. I think Dragon Age Two on the Xbox or something. Nice. So uh, I, I was stuck watching the movie on the computer, which was fine, but that room's really hot and. I felt like Mel Gibson. I wanted to... I'd rather die in the desert than sit through more of Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. And I'm trying to think, why would you fuck up this badly? You've established he's a badass. You know, I'm sure people liked a little boy in The Road Warrior, and that character didn't speak. That's why that character was effective. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking, furthermore, um, Mad Max and uh, Road Warrior are movies that fathers watched with their sons or fathers watched with their daughters, Right. Yeah. So you have kids growing up with these movies, even though they're rated R movies. So maybe you're trying to build in an audience for those kids and they can identify more if there's a lot of little children characters. Mm-hmm. But Mad Max, and I, I love Star Wars, but Mad Max isn't fucking Star Wars. Right. You know, you don't need little kids going yippee and And chanting. The, the kids were like sitting there chanting. It was creepy. One of us, one of us. No, what did they say? I'm sure they said that too. You know, they were never ending sequence where they talk about the fucking hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics, the cave paintings. Yeah. About this story of like, oh, Captain Walker's going to come from the sky and save us. Exactly. It's more cockney than Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's just it. It's like this lady is like telling the story of Captain Walker and everything and the kids are into it. And presumably this is something that she tells them like every day, um, just like to keep their hopes up that this Walker dude is still alive. And of course they think that Mel Gibson is Walker and it just, it becomes weird. And you can see how uncomfortable he is with this whole thing as she's telling this stupid story. Now, what do you think Captain Walker is a reference to? That's what I couldn't figure out because they say Mauro Mauro Land and you think Never Never Land. So that's some sort of Peter Pan thing. Mm-hmm. The Captain Walker, the only thing I could think of, uh, so I was talking about the uh, movie uh, Tommy that Tina Turner one was in earlier, and that was by The Who, 
There's a song off that album where there's a lyric saying, Captain Walker, he didn't came home, unborn child who never knew him. So there's a character from that called Captain Walker. That's just Oh, right. really? Yeah. And maybe that's on purpose with the Tina Turner connection. Huh. Because uh, have you ever seen Tommy? No. Or, or listened to the album? So it's about a kid that's born normal, and then he sees his mom having sex with another man that's not his father. And the shock makes him deaf, dumb, and blind, and he becomes awesome at pinball. Right. I know the premise of it. I've just never... I've heard, like, a couple of the songs from it. And so Captain Walker refers to uh, Tommy's birth father. So I'm thinking, loosely, maybe that's reference to that song. That's really stretching it. I don't know. If they would have explained that a bit more in the movie, what Captain Walker was... Yeah, I mean, Maybe. we know that he was a pilot, but I honestly, at this point, the movie is so fucking boring anyway. Yeah. Do we really care? Do we need more detail? I do like that the kids are like, take us to Tomorrowland, and Mad Max is basically, fuck you, you know, it's dangerous out there, there's a desert, if you don't die from that, you'll die going into Barter Town, they get all these maniacs there. Yeah. He's and I, like, I could buy into that, like, okay, that makes sense, that's good yeah. advice. Well, because we just saw him go through that, uh-huh. we just saw him get shipped out of Barter Town, and pretty much die until some ship chicky like rescues him and the kids or whatever and so yeah i don't blame him for saying hey the world is crap and you know yeah there were cities and there were buildings and there was all this stuff but you know what it's gone now he's like not he's not sugarcoating it at all right but meanwhile the little kids are like come on max we're gonna go to mara mara land we're gonna run across the desert and he feels kind of obligated to save them because they're children. Yeah, which he does anyway. He tries to stop them. I mean, he like gets to the point where he physically hauls off and hits the lady and says, no, you can't <laughs> leave. Yeah, he just was yeah. kind of like, I don't know if I want to hit you. I don't know. And then, bam, he just smacks her. And, you know, Carrie throws her over his shoulder. And then, you know, everybody goes to sleep. He gets woken up and said, hey, these people left. So now he has this fucking obligation because of the goddamn kids right. to go and find to go and find everybody and make sure they're okay. So he sets out, and of course, then he's got his own little army of people, including kids. So I like they go to Barter Town, but they don't really uh, fucking do anything with it. No. Just sort of chaos ensues. They rescue, uh, I guess it's just Master, right? Mm-hmm. They rescue him from, he's kind of tied up with the pigs or something. He's going to be fed to the pigs or something like that. Yeah, we're not sure exactly why he was there. He was just chained up. I think just so that uh, Auntie Entity wouldn't know or would know that he's like safe. He's not roaming around and causing trouble and making plans. Right. And then the other thing, Auntie Entity wants to be in charge of Barter Town. Mm-hmm. But since it's a Barter Town, they trade things for other things. Is there really a currency there? What can you stand to gain from like pushing around a bunch of little people covered in pig shit? I don't know. Well, you stand to gain them not actually helping to produce that pig shit. I mean, you're, you're true, basically right. shooting yourself in the foot if you don't encourage these people to get to work. You're killing the own. Your, your you're help. killing what you built, basically. Right. And that's at that point where, um, I, you know, I kind of said at the beginning, it's like Auntie Entity totally changed for me. And that's why I was confused with her character because she was so nice to Max. Uh-huh. I mean, they put him through the test at the beginning of the movie to say, yes, you can, in fact, kill Blaster. Um, and but. I never really got the sense from her until a little bit later that she was so totally, utterly, and thoroughly pissed off because he didn't hold his end up, his end up of the deal. There's not enough scenes in this movie with anti-entity. She's no, such there's an really interesting not. looking character mm-hmm. that even with the, the boring as fuck parts with Mad Max with the, the children in the Oasis, they could have cut back and have Auntie Entity rub her hands together and said, oh, we're going to send someone to try and assassinate Max or mm-hmm. I don't, some suspense. But Just, like, there's nothing like she looks like a badass and Tina Turner has attitude. She can work that mojo. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, her earrings kind of bothered me. Um, what I, about the earrings bothered you? I don't know. They were just really big. 
and uh, they were just a little annoying. I, I don't know. I just had an issue with them. <laughs> I just had an issue with them. Big hair, big earrings. Yeah, which the big hair is fine. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. There's just something about them. They were like uh, weird like chocolates. Maybe I was hungry. They were like weird straight of donuts or something like that. I just wanted to, I don't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> anyway. So somehow, and they don't explain this well either with all the, uh, the pig shit people. That's probably one of the more offensive terms I could have used to describe them. But he helps the uh, oppressed mm-hmm. go and sabotage the factory so these explosions happen. And they find some sort of like a train on these train tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And near the end of the movie, uh, it's almost like they're trying to outdo the climax of the road warrior where you have an oil tanker truck and cars going away. Exactly. But there's a few problems here. In uh, The Road Warrior, you know, they're on cars. Even the tanker thing is really, the truck is a big car. You have cars chasing other cars. In this one, you have cars chasing a train. Yeah, how did that... Heavily armored train. Yeah. (laughs) And there's, like, magically tracks that appeared... Yeah. And granted, I'm sure it was probably on the other side of Barter Town, the one that we didn't see when mm, he got right, shipped right, off, and okay. then they all went back Makes to sense. it. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of weird. It's just like, oh, all of a sudden there's these train tracks. Why can't people use those train tracks for navigation to something? You know what I mean? Maybe uh, they use that to get their supplies, like food and water, every three months. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But again, it's, it's, it's awfully convenient. And this chase scene, in my opinion, doesn't hold a candle to what you see in Road Warrior. Oh, hell no. I mean, not only is it not violent enough and you don't have people dying left and right, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more cartoony. You still get, like, thugs with mohawks, but they kind of smash their head repeatedly on things and go, like, ouch, and shake their head. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit more comedic. It was uh-huh. it was more comedic than anything else, and it's, yeah. not something that I totally appreciated, but mm. I understand why they did it. And again, Max is escaping with the kids from Barter Town. He just still doesn't know where the fuck they're going. Mm-hmm. They could be going to like Child Rape City or something. Yeah, they have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just kind of, they're they're trusting him because he's Captain Walker at that point still to these kids to lead them someplace else. And, and you can't really buy Mad Max's transformation because he kind of mm-hmm. tells the kids, "Go fuck yourselves." If you leave the Oasis, you're going to die. And then he's right. like, oh, I've got to help the children. Right. And at that point, <sighs> I mean, yeah, he became a total pansy. I lost yeah. a lot of respect for Max once he started doing that. I get where he was coming from. Right. But he has been able to walk away from everything else uh-huh. in the other three, uh, the other two movies mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know what? A deal's a deal. You give me the oil and, you know, and I help you get the tanker, you know, in, in Road Warrior. Right. Um, so it was, it was a very clear cut. Yeah. And with this, it's just like, well, now you're like bringing emotions and stuff into it, which I understand because you still need to develop a character, I guess, a little bit more. It's too many characters. But too it's many too kids. much. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all too just, much. It's too much at that point. They should have had the fucking movie in Bartertown called Mad Max 3 Bartertown. They could have had a better title for this than Beyond Thunderdome. I know. What the hell does that mean? I, I wanted more Thunderdome. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, hey, we're just going to start. Or there's going to be the people that are going to be there and we're going to, you know, somebody's two men enter, one man leave. And I was actually kind of going back to that. I know we're backtracking a little bit. Sure. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting like the WWEF whatever uh-huh. BC thing to have more people like, hey, we've already we've got this great lineup for you because there's an entertainer. You've got Tina Turner sitting there watching yeah. as like the head mistress of the whole thing. And so I was expecting a lot more grandiose presentation versus we're going to get right to the chase here. Right. I I just, I was. Anyway. Uh, so this chase scene was terrible. 
Um, was this the one that somebody got shot through the leg with an arrow, or was that the second one? I think that was the second okay. one. They all kind of blend together. They all do, huh? When you watch a sequel one week after another, sometimes it's difficult to separate them. But uh, so the end of the movie, Gyrocopter Man comes back, and he has a situation where we're, we won't spoil the end, but let's say you're not going to see a bunch of like little children corpses Mm-mm. at the end of this. So I thought, because we still have some time, why don't we sort of rate our feelings on the whole Mad Max trilogy, and then I'll talk a bit about Mad Max 4. Okay, um, well, I... I so going out of a five-star scale, we haven't done this on the sequel cast before. No, okay. Um, rate the movies individually. Okay, so the first one, I think I'd probably give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, it was it was bad, but it does set up the story a little bit I as I appreciate to, Mad Max 1 more after watching uh, Thunderdome. I do, too. <laughs> exactly. Um, and honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, you know, before I came into watching this movie that it was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite one. Oh, no. But because I think it was the only one that I truly felt like I watched, even though I only remember the Thunderdome part. I only remember the really good part. Yeah. Um, Road Warrior, I would I would give a four and a half. Okay. Yeah. Three um, and a half for Mad Max 1, four and a half for uh, Road Warrior. Yeah. Um, for Beyond Thunderdome, um, I'd probably give it a two and a half to three. And yeah. the only reason I would give it a three <laughs> is because... Uh, because of Tina Turner, honestly, okay. everything else in that I like the Master Blaster part, and I liked you know yeah. the sentimentality of I like that changing of the guard. Uh, that works much better than the sentimentality with the children. Yeah, the children. I I mean, I love children, but I don't like the. They had mud in their hair. <laughs> they had mud in their hair. It was all uh, like plastered down with this goo. And hey, cool. I I mean, I get that it's stylistic and everything else, but it's just like. I'm sorry, just I wasn't buying the children. I just I didn't think that it was necessary, and that you know at that point everything just kind of fell to shit for me. So yeah, uh, two and a half. Uh, I'm just gonna stick with two and a half. I'm just gonna put it right down there. Okay, so three and a half for Mad Max one, mm-hmm. four and a half for Road Warrior, mm-hmm. and uh, two and a half. You said yeah, which right? I feel kind of bad. Dome. Yeah, I kind of feel so bad about that. For me, uh, Mad Max one. I would give a three. I still feel, even though I like it more after watching Thunderdome, like we discussed, it moves really slow. It takes a bit to get into, but those car chase scenes are really well done, and it's really interesting. I bet after watching these movies, not that you'd want to do it right away, if you go back and watch Mad Max 1, you'd get more of a kick out of seeing Max as a cop, Mm -hmm. seeing his origin story. The Road Warrior, I would give uh, five out of five stars. Oh. I think it's just about a perfect action movie. Mm-hmm. The kid's kind of annoying. It takes a bit to get started, but again, it's an older movie. But um, it's inspired so many other movies or video games or commercials that uh, it's just really something I can be, feel comfortable calling a classic. Okay. Even though it's something from the late 70s or early 80s. I don't quite remember the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to Thunderdome. I would give two. Two. Two out of five. Like, just watch the first 30 minutes, and after the Thunderdome scene, just turn it off. Just turn it off. You don't need to know anything else. No. No. The movie you'll make up in your head will be far better than uh, what you'll get. Yeah, indeed. And there's not anything really to spoil. No. Um, You know, as far as, like, the ending and stuff goes. Uh, But, okay, so you had a three- a three for a three Mad, for Max, Mad one. Max one. Five, a five out of five. Warrior. Okay, for Road Warrior. And, and then two a two for Thunderdome. All right. Yeah, see, so. I just, I really wish that there was more Tina Turner. That would have yeah. actually boosted that rating quite a bit. 
Did you like the two uh, Tina Turner numbers featured in this movie, done specifically for the soundtrack? You had one of the living, which was done over the opening credits, and the more famous one that we heard a cover of in the beginning, We Don't Need Another Hero, uh, you know, is the one that plays over the end credits. Do you think those worked, or...? You know, honestly, I think that's where things fell apart for me, because I was yeah. like, I'm really disappointed, though. I don't, I don't get to hear that We Don't Need Another Hero, because so, I didn't watch <laughs> the ending credits. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm done with this movie. I don't yeah. want to watch it anymore. I am bored. I'm falling asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, yay, they're chasing, and things do what they're going to do, and great. Okay, movie's done. Bam. I, I typically won't... Unless I know that something is coming, if it's like a comedy that, hey, maybe they have cool outtakes or you know yeah. things like that. But for this, I didn't care. So I'd, I would, that's why I was disappointed because I'm like, oh, I, I didn't get to hear Tina Turner sing her thing. But and, she did. I just didn't wait around for it. So, And uh, ironically enough, the song that won the uh, Grammy in 1985 for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Female wasn't We Don't Need Another Hero. It was the other song, One of the Living. Oh, really? Even though that was lesser well-known. Huh. Uh, so, and there's also a music video out there they did with some of the costumes from uh, Mad Max 3. Interesting. It's kind of fun if you look up on YouTube. Huh. Okay. So, uh, let's, we still have a little bit of time left, so let's talk about Mad Max 4. Okay. Because, okay. Mad Max 4 is something that's been in development for a decade, and the director, George Miller, what? didn't... Yeah, he didn't want to do a Mad Max 4, and then he claims he had a dream on an airplane... And he was bored, you know, flying to go somewhere, and wrote down what his dream was. And he said, oh, that sounds a lot like a new Mad Max movie. And originally it was supposed to star Mel Gibson as Mad Max. And they were going to film it, uh, you know, after, shortly after September 11th, and, you know, uh, before all that stuff happened. But then yeah. once that did happen, it caused the funding of the movie to drop out. And them having trouble getting money for a new Mad Max is what has kept it going on and off. But they're supposed to start filming in 2012. And I'm not sure, Mel Gibson's not in it, but it's not clear if they're just rebooting the whole thing or if it's supposed to be Mad Max's son, also called Mad Max. But the actor playing Mad Max is uh, Tom Hardy. And we have his picture right here. Uh, what do you think of him? Do you think he looks intimidating? Uh, let me see him again. Okay. I need to take a better assessment of there you what his... It's a shitty printout on a black and white printer. <laughs> um, I think he's pretty cute. Yeah? Yep. A little bit of a Jason uh, Statham look? No, not really. Not He's really. bald. Uh, no, actually, this Bigger is a face. little bit more Matt Damon-ish to me. Okay. Matt Damon. Um, which, not that Matt I could Damon. see Matt, Matt Damon. <laughs> Damn you, Matt. <laughs> um, not that I could see this guy, or I can see... I do you, have, do you see, recognize him for anything? He looks kind of familiar. Did you see Inception? Oh, it's... The movie about the dreaming stuff? He was a yes, character in there yes, called, yes, yes. called Eames. Okay, yeah, that's but uh, like I didn't like Inception very much myself. But it was a little weird, kind of oh, pretentious. Yeah. Uh, but he was in there. You're going to see him uh, next year in the new Batman movie, Dark Knight Rises. He plays a bad guy called Bane. Oh, and one of his, do you have like Star Trek at all? Uh, no. Okay, he was in a shitty Star Trek movie called Star Trek Nemesis oh. as Captain Picard's evil twin, even though he looks nothing like Picard. It's Dude, awful. He was like 19 or something when he did that movie. But oh, okay. It's uh, not worth watching. Um, another actress that's supposed to be in Mad Max 4 is Charlize Theron. Um, so, okay. I know, she kind of has the tough look. I don't know. They, I could see that. They're supposed to start filming in 2012, so this movie might not even come out until 2013. Oh, wow. So it's still got a ways till Mad Max 4. Mm-hmm. And the other, you saw X-Men First Class. Yep. The actor that played Beast is supposed to be in this one, in Mad Max 4 as well. Oh, really? Nicholas Holt. Oh, okay, I liked him, yeah. So he did a good job in that one. I don't know if he'll be nerdy in Mad Max 4. but I who knows? not. There's and the other uh, new Mad Max project they're trying to do is, 
you remember with the Matrix, they did something called Animatrix? Yeah. These, like, short cartoon things? They're supposed to be doing that with, like, these Japanese anime people for Mad Max. What? But then I think it fell through the cracks. There hasn't been word on that in a few years. So a lot of Mad Max 4 stuff has been in development hell, but it sounds like it's really going to happen this time. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, but would you see a Mad Max sequel if it came out, even if it didn't have Mel Gibson? Um... You know, I would, I probably, oh God, that's a really tough question. I probably would. I'd like to say that, yes, I would okay. um, after seeing all of these, but I would really have to take a look at the, uh, uh, the trailer first Okay. Um, just to see, hey, what is this about? And I, I don't know. To me, when people reboot stuff like this, right. it just gets really old and it gets, you know, tiresome and it's like, leave the classics where, where they're at. Yeah. You know, you don't need to reboot Mad Max. I mean, he's always going to be Mel Gibson. He's always going to be in this time period. He's always going to have, you know, this gruffness and the stupid wig. And he's always going to uh-huh. have all of these components over the last three movies that we've seen. So for them to reboot it with something different, again, I'd like to say that, yes, I would go see it. But honestly, truthfully, I probably would not. I would see it in one of those theaters where they serve beer at it. And yeah, I wouldn't pay drinking. more than like three dollars to see this movie. <laughs> right? Maybe Court and Fatboyle did a midnight movie on it at one point, like five years down the road, <laughs> and then I'd maybe go see it. Right, right. So uh, we just wrapped up talking about Bad Max trilogy here on Sequel Cast. So what we're going to do next is uh, look at the two basic instinct films. Although we might do a special episode in between that, we're not quite sure yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, basic instinct, uh, Sharon Stone. What do you think about Sharon Stone? I think uh, Sharon Stone is a fox. A fox? Yeah. I Even think still? she's... I think she's had some work done, though, huh? You know, to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, she's yeah. I, she's kind of one of those... To me, she's like one of those like iconic badass chicks that doesn't really right. um, need to portray the fact that she is. It's just like her personality kind of exudes the Cruella de Vilish And, you know, thing. she stayed in shape. She hasn't turned into a manatee. Oh, she looks like, great. Yeah, she hasn't turned into a manatee like Kirstie Alley or Kathleen oh, Turner. Yeah, no. I mean, they yeah, both of those, Kathleen yeah. Turner. Well, it's weird that you just brought up Kathleen Turner because oh, yeah? of Michael Douglas romancing the stone. There right. was another sequel that we never that we didn't think about. That's right. There's two of those. Movies. Yeah. Romancing the stone and uh, uh, the other. Uh, Jewel, Jewel of, of the, the Nile. Nile. Yep. Huh. So... Okay, we're going to have to... Uh, oh, I'm going to write that one down. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. That's a series of movies people don't remember so much. Yeah. So until next time for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And I'm Serena. Saying uh, tune in next week where we talk about Basic Instinct. Uh, they did two of those, believe it or not. Go to sequelcast.com and uh, have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>